Hi, welcome to The Church Split. My name is Will, and you guys know what we do here. We help you escape your echo chamber, is think biblically, and then talk about divisive topics in a spirit of unity, so that way, one day, who knows, we might actually have a united body. It'd be pretty nice. But uh, real quick, I wanted to talk about uh, the, the new allegations, not just allegations, now evidence, and the report of Ravi Zacharias. Uh, today, I wanted to talk about uh, the report that was finally issued by Ravi Zacharias for in regards to Ravi Zacharias. Now, uh, this is not for a hot piece of gossip, much to the contrary, uh, but now we have actual evidence that he is guilty. And just as RZIM issued a statement a while ago in preparation for this, uh, many of you uh, in the last, in the very last video I did regarding him came at me with guns drawn. And I'm just gonna say, I'll await your apologies because you guys are waiting for the evidence. And I said, they, this is coming right down the pipe and there's already been evidence, but there's more coming. And here it is. So I wanted to address a few of the objections. One, one of the biggest things I heard about was judge not lest you be judged uh, in the last video. So guess what? Matthew 7 is, that's not what that's saying. It's not saying we can't judge at all. We are told to judge righteous judgment. We are told to judge that which is right and what is wrong. In fact, Paul says those who are spiritual will judge. And the guys... That whole passage in Matthew 7 saying we can't judge hypocritically. In other words, I can't be constantly living in sexual morality and sexually assaulting people when and and then get mad at Ravi for doing the same thing. It's talking about hypocritical judgment. It's not saying we can't judge at all. We are told to judge that which is right and what is wrong. In fact, what's ironic is when somebody yells at me and says, oh, you're, you're judging them. Uh, you're judging me then. See how that works? The question isn't who's judging. The question is who is right in their judgment. That is the question. So again, if you're judging me for judging somebody else, then maybe we should stop talking about how it's a sin to judge because it's not. And instead, uh, measure it by the merit of the claim. So the other thing is that people brought up the woman at the well. You know, she was an adulterer and all these things, but Jesus still loved her and cared for her, all these things. But the, the distinction here is the fact that she left and she repented and then she told the good news and she changed. Um, the other one that people have brought up is he's already dead. So what's the point? Guys, let me ask you this. If Stalin, we never knew what Stalin did, how he killed millions of people, and then suddenly after he died, we found out the truth, would you say we shouldn't talk about it? That we shouldn't talk about the victims? That we shouldn't talk about how to prevent this sort of behavior? No, you absolutely would not. The only reason, and the only reason you're saying that, is because you want to defend somebody who you looked up to, and instead of facing the harsh reality, you want a comforting lie. And we cannot do that. We, ha we as Christians, are, are the church is the pillar of truth, as Paul has written to Timothy. So it is time that we stand up for the truth and just say, this is what happened. This is the truth of the situation and move forward. And so let's talk about this a little bit in depth. First off, uh, we know this is some Epstein-level crap going on, right? He, there was hush money involved. He was gaslighting. He made, created codependent relationships. And then he took advantage of them. That is exactly what happened. I read the entire report. And also, I read the statements by RZIM, and I would encourage you to do so. We will have them in the links of the description in the description below. So the first thing I want to talk about is beware of self-deception. Whether Ravi had himself deceived, thinking he was doing the work of God, or just, oh, I just have this little struggle, or oh, this is one of my pet sin, it doesn't matter. Self-deception is horrific. That's why the Bible warns us that we are, beware of, of being double-minded. Uh, the heart is deceitful, all these things. We have to be careful because we know the fact that we have a sinful nature. So beware of self-deception. And 
Ravi was definitely living in some form of self-deception. He was definitely deceiving his family. Uh, the other thing is, is I'll, I want to talk about you not being self-deceived. So many people on my last video came to the defense of Ravi and scorned me for even saying that he was guilty, like he was on trial, which is absurd because being guilty is more than just in a courtroom. Guilty just means you are guilty of an action. So that, that doesn't hold water here. Guys, beware of self-deception. Do not allow yourself to be deceived here. Do not fall into this whole, I have to defend him because I liked what he said. Look, you can still like what somebody said. You can still take the truth of what somebody said while also recognizing the truth that they were a horrible person behind closed doors. Again, multiple things can be true at once. All truth is God's truth, so don't run from it. So beware of self-deception. You can do the right actions publicly, right? I can do all the right things publicly, but privately be a monster. This is where integrity comes in. Integrity is not doing um, the right thing when no one else is watching, as so many people say. Integrity is doing the right thing when there are no consequences. And we have all broken good integrity. I have done it many times in my life. I've actually, uh, you know, I feel like I've had a re-spiritual awakening the last six, seven years or so. And, you know, it was definitely this whole experience of getting to know God better. And it corrected me. It changed me. And I was more sanctified unto God. And that's good. But the thing is, is what we're seeing here is somebody who, who honored God with their lips, but dishonored them with his heart. As Matthew 15, 8 says, this people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. We want to make sure we are not following in that. We want to make sure we are not honoring him with his lips, but, to see, but not with our heart. So, I think we Christians struggle with that in general. You know, we say the right things, but we don't always live the right way. And we need to be living the right way. You know, I've never lived perfectly, and I uh, have royally screwed up uh, in the past. I mean, royally. <laughs> but that does not mean that suddenly I'm no longer able to be saved, or I no longer can serve God, or I no longer can be sanctified unto God. The difference is repentance. And we, I want to talk about that here in a second. But the next thing is, is that this is the definition of taking the Lord's name in vain. Uh, it, it's when you are claiming God with your, with your lips, but denying him with your actions. If you study that verse, it literally means to take it like a banner, to take and wave it around in vain. You have, you're saying the right things, you're waving the right banner, but you are not honoring it. You are, serving a, you are claiming to serve a king while breaking his law. And that those two ought not to be so. And in fact, Matthew 3, 8 says, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And what is repentance? Um, repentance is a changing of your mind. It's a turning away from. Uh, there's this uh, idea that just because that, it's, that when the Bible says repent, it just means repent of unbelief. But that's never been historically what repentance means. You look at the early church fathers, you look at uh, ancient Talmudic writings, and also um, uh, Torah writings and rabbi writings and all these different writings, you know that repentance means to turn away from your sin. Now, it's not to say that you're not going to fail, okay? Ravi failed, but the difference was that he was a double-minded man. He didn't fail and then repent like King David did. He repented and he kept hiding it and hiding it. He kept, like the whole, you know, um, her what he did to Bathsheba's husband, yeah, he kept doing that essentially. He kept hiding it and covering it up. He never repented. And for me, uh, you know, I have done horrible things, and I have had to recognize when I've done those horrible things and repent and turn away from it, knowing the fact that I was that I royally screwed up. And you've probably had to do the same thing, where you looked you're like, yep, I really messed up. I had to change behavior. I had to change my life and change my mind. Because if we are claiming the name of the king, we ought not to take his name in vain. And also, 
it, Jesus says, you will be known by your fruits. If you are a believer, uh, it says actually in James as well, faith without works is dead. Your works ought to in some way, shape, or form reflect your your uh, your work should reflect your faith. If you're if you're living, you're saying you have faith, yet you live as a degenerate. Is your faith really valid? Is your or is your faith in vain? Is your religion dead? As uh, James also says. So don't don't fall into this. Okay. Bear fruit that is keeping with repentance. If your faith is authentic, you're going to be continually sanctifying yourself to God. You're not going to be okay when you sin. You're going to feel terrible when you sin. You're going to repent of it. You're going to, you're going to feel that guilt that God has given you in, in your heart, and that's good. And you should allow that guilt to fully seep over you and embrace that guilt, and that way you can turn and repent from it. And here's the thing. We Christians ought to be okay with that. If somebody completely screws up and they openly, publicly, graciously repent, and they take that guilt as well, and you know they're okay with that, and they move forward knowing the fact that they screwed up, they admit it, and they repent of it, then we should be okay with that, welcome that, because that we've all had to do the same thing. But what we're dealing with here is not somebody who's done that. We're dealing with somebody who is double-minded. They are living a, a double life, speaking on both sides of the mouth, uh, double-tongued, if you will. It's just not good. This is not good. And the victims for years lived knowing the fact that this guy was going to come to their massage parlor and grope them, molest them, and ask them to do horrible things to him because, <laughs> because they just knew this was happening and they were afraid to speak up because they knew very few people would believe. Um, so yeah, anyway, repentance means that you don't revel in your sin. You don't continue flippantly and you feel terrible and then you change. You don't hide it forever. You don't try to sit there and shove it under a rug. And here's the thing. Just because you sin doesn't mean everyone needs to know about it too, right? It's not every single time you sin and you repent, you can, you have to make a big show of it. You don't have to. It can be an internal change and then apologizing to the person you sinned against. So anyway, the other thing I wanted to say is keeping mega money out of ministry. If you read the report, you know that there was, there was an account that no one really keep track of, kept track of, and that was what often he spent money in to various people whom he was assaulting and whom he was taking advantage of. Mega money is dangerous in ministries for this reason if it's not properly checked or documented. You know, it's okay to have financial support and use that financial support for the furthering of the gospel, but it is not okay to just leave it unchecked. I have heard church after church, horrific story after horrific story of people with access to money who ended up abusing it. And that's because we are sinful and fallen creatures. We are going to screw up and, you know, that temptation can come out and suddenly when you're kept unchecked, your sin can be often running unchecked, especially if you know how to live double-minded and how to deceive people one way while living a different way behind closed doors. It's easy to do. So we ought to do everything we can to correct that, to make sure that we don't allow for that to happen, and we protect ourselves from temptation and our friends and family from temptation. So keep the money, mega money out. And this is where I want to also mention to not overcorrect. RZIM issued a statement and they showed what they wanted to do in order to try to prevent this from happening, which is a, it's a, uh, virtuous to do so. You know, they don't want this to happen again because I honestly don't think a lot of the people there knew of it or they didn't want to recognize it. Um, they probably are not thrilled with what's going on here because this is going to be a lot of bad press. But the thing is, guys, is let's not overcorrect either because 
they could easily fall into the cancel culture thing or go into the complete swing of the other side and just be like, okay, now we have to, you know, hashtag believe all women without evidence and all these different things. Like, and things can get scary if you go, if you overcorrect, we want to make sure we never overcorrect. We recognize the bad and then we put in proper things to prevent it. If I read the preventative measures, you know, oh, allowing victims to speak up more and, you know, creating a more open environment for these things. But you know what? That's not going to correct it. One of the things you need to do is just keep track of the money. Where's the money going? Okay, that is, you should not have somebody with this, oh, with this open account to be able to flippantly use it. The other thing is, is, you know, not letting him, letting people just constantly be able to be alone for hours, maybe with massage parlors and things along that nature. The, the corrective measures, I see you creating a, a more of a healthy environment for already abused victims, but I don't see you creating preventative measures to keeping this from happening again. And one of the biggest things is making sure that there is proper accountability measures put into place, not just some flippant, okay, well, we all really care about each other. Now we can talk about it. Like, so don't overcorrect. Don't go into this whole, like, all right, now we're just going to complete, I'd have to say this carefully. So that way people don't misunderstand me. True victims and victims of sexual abuse need to have proper validation, but we also need proper things to be brought forward, testimony and evidence before we can just start condemning everybody around us. So don't, placate into the crowd that just wants every single person who makes any single claim and fall into cancel culture either. Don't fall into RZI. Don't do not fall into cancel culture with RZIM. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater and walk away from Christianity. Don't do these things. Let's not overcorrect. Okay. We, we respond in pendulum swings. We can recognize bad behavior. We can talk about the bad behavior and condemn it entirely and come up with proper preventative measures to keep that from happening again without an overcorrection. We should still always uh, require evidence before condemnation. We should always um, encourage victims to come forward and give a listening ear and actually seriously consider it before we turn around and condemn it. One of the biggest problems is, is that you know nowadays we just have this hashtag, believe all women, and when one woman makes a claim, we just have to take it at yep, full value. Yep, everything she said was true because... We have to believe her, even if there's no evidence to back it up, even if it's just my word against theirs, which we've seen happen a lot in the last, re in the few recent, in the recent years. And if the Jesse Smollett thing of that entire hoax shows anything, is the fact that people also lie for attention or political gain. So we want to be careful here. So don't overcorrect. That's my whole point. I, that was a whole tangent to say, do not overcorrect. So Christians, should this shipwreck your faith? No. Should this uh, make you more leery? Maybe. Maybe we should, you know, put in more preventative measures, which I've mentioned multiple times. Uh, when I took over the church, um, I changed our constitution quickly because I felt me as the pastor had too much power and control in certain areas. So about a year, year and a half in my pastor, I was like, I don't like this. We need to change this because there needs to be more accountability in what I can do as a pastor. And I thought that was fair. And uh, everyone else agreed. They were like, yeah, that's a good idea. I'm like, you just not saying I want to do anything, but I just want that preventative measure there. So that way I won't do anything and I won't be tempted to do anything. Also that anyone who comes up after me as a pastor won't do that either. So we, we took those steps and I think it's important that each person and each ministry does so. That's why there, um, uh, JC Groves actually recently talked about the, the steps that they take to make sure that uh, he's on the preacher boys, by the way. Um, so JC and Eric, they talked about 
the preventative measures they make so that way teenagers don't get sexually assaulted and that false allegations can't be made easily if, uh, in, in such ministries. So, so in, in short, Christians also stop defending the indefensible. If, if it's indefensible, even if they're quote-unquote on your side, condemn it. It's okay. You can condemn poor behavior. There's nothing wrong with condemning poor behavior. In fact, we should as Christians, definitely. But Christians have this thing where it's like if they're on the on the political right or if they are they have said nice Christian things in the past, that we shouldn't condemn poor behavior. Look, you can condemn poor behavior even without condemning fully the person. You don't have to say that person's going to hell and you know that cancel them entirely, but we can condemn poor behavior. And hopefully that person would repent of it. What makes this difficult, again, is the fact that Ravi has passed, so that we're stuck with what we have here. And I can say that the evidence seems to leave a trail of breadcrumbs that shows that he never lived in repentance, that he just lived a double life. So guys, stop defending the indefensible. That's what I want to say here. Stop defending the indefensible. Pray for the victims. Support the victims. But do not overcorrect either. Let reason let reason win, okay? Um, so anyway, thank you guys for tuning in to The Church Split. Please like and share our videos. And if you want to support us, consider supporting us on Patreon in the description of our video below. So thank you all for watching. Let me know your thoughts in the comments below. And guys, keep it civil. Good grief. Some of you down there are toxic as ever, really showing the fact that we as Christians are not properly living with uh, the idea of our words seasoned with salt. So let's try to do that. Let's try to live uh, as not being hypocrites as Matthew 7 talks about, and encourage one another unto love and good works. Thank you all. Take care and stay tuned for our next episode.